I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Um, we got a couple things right off the bat to get into. I have a, I have a, uh, I, I stand corrected piece. Um, but before we get into that, why don't you tell us why, why we're all Is wearing... it a chiropractor? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did we get any chiropractor no, no, emails? No, 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 no. We didn't get no, I had no one. I had no one write in to say, hey, the ring dinger's <laughs> actually pretty legit. <laughs> you know, uh, I, no. It's because uh, chiropractors don't listen to podcasts on medical science. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, Whoa. no, I'm just kidding. That, uh, was, hey, a joke. that was a joke. Look out. That was a joke. <laughs> Hey, um, nice, <laughs> all right, so uh, why are we wearing green shirts, Bri? Uh, why are, Why do I have four green lanyards on? We're late for St. Patty's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do the um? Oh, that other uh, the, the that's yeah, the one. Great. Um, we are wearing green shirts because today, the day that this episode comes out, is Green Shirt Day. And what is That's Green it. Shirt Day, Brian? <laughs> green Shirt Day. Here, let me read it because if I don't read it, I'll uh, I'll mess it up. But it's basically to raise awareness for organ and tissue donation. Very important. Very important indeed. Very and important. do you know why it's Especially a green shirt? if you're outside of Nova Scotia. Yes. So I actually, I just, I just looked that up. Did you guys know that? I mean, obviously, you know, Taylor, because of that comment that you just said. But did you know that Nova Scotia is the only opt-out um, I didn't know it was the only program? one. I, I oh, knew that it. I no, knew that I it was, was. I thought it was Canada wide. I knew it was the first one. I didn't know it was the only one. So, wow. as far as I could tell, Holy. from the dates of the articles here, they were, they came from like 2021 and 2022. Nova wow. Scotia was the only one who, to do opt out. Wow! Oh my god, dude! I had no idea. I thought it was. Um, it's honestly shocking. I thought it was just Canada wide. It is, and, and I feel this like we've is, been talking about it like it's Canada wide. So, so this is also no. I don't think we have, but no, this is so. so this is interesting. Okay. Consider this. So Green Shirt Day in honor of the Logan Boulay effect. So we did a, we did an entire episode about this last year. Yeah. But uh Logan Boulay played for the humble Broncos, was in the in the bus accident <laughs> and uh tragically lost his life. And in support of organ donor awareness registration across Canada, this is the Logan Boulay effect. So on April 6, 2018, Canadians were heartbroken to hear the news of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Of the 29 passengers, 16 lost their lives and 13 will all bear physical and emotional scars for life. Mm -hmm. On the following day on April 7th, uh, Broncos defenseman Logan Boulay succumbed to his injuries. His parents, Bernadine and Toby Boulay, offered to donate his organs so that six lives could live on. Uh, They did so because Logan told his parents he was registering as an organ donor and that he was inspired by his coach and mentor, uh, Rick. And Rick 
also passed on June. He passed before the accident on June 27th, 2017, uh, and was also an organ donor. Hmm. So from that, um, event and the news about Logan, you know, saving these six lives, it's estimated that almost 150,000 people registered in the following days and weeks wow. after the accident. And is that wow. like a giant uptick? It's a, it's the, the biggest uptick that they've ever experienced wow. in organ and tissue donation. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. And so, but, but here's the thing though. So it, it is, it, I mean, it's the most, yeah. <laughs> the most that it they've is, seen. Yeah. But also think about the fact that when they switched Nova Scotia to opt out, right. There's now a million people, unless they state otherwise, yes. who are going to donate yeah. their organ and tissue. I'd be fascinated to know wow. the percentage that's opting out. Yeah. I'd be I, really, really curious. I would guess it's a pretty small percentage. I think so, too. You think it's yeah. like less than 10? Yeah, because, because you're gonna have you're gonna have the people you're gonna have the people that like you know whether it's like for religious reasons or whatever where mm-hmm. they're absolutely like fuck yeah like I gotta go to Access Nova Scotia now to do this, mm-hmm. but then you're gonna have the people that that and and so they do right, but then you're gonna have the people that are like well, I don't know if I feel comfortable about that maybe I, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that but. <laughs> And they don't. But, but then they, don't they really just care. don't because it's <laughs> yeah. like you gotta get you gotta go to the thing and do the thing and it's a thing. So it's like you just don't see it. So I I, I would guess it's quite a small amount, and yeah. it's the amount of people that are really fucking staunchly against and, the and, idea or thought. And you know what? It's fine either way. If you're if you're not comfortable sure. donating your your organs or tissue, that's that's totally fine. Yeah. You I mean, should each their own, but it's fine. H- however, however, bit- you don't actually get to get anybody else's <laughs> when you need them. And that's, <laughs> that and that's also what Nova Scotia's doing these days. That would be <laughs> so wild. Can you imagine <laughs> if that was the rule? But, but you know, what's interesting is that <laughs> I would bet, I would bet that, that in the opt in, um, uh, framework, there are a bunch of people who would actively want to do it, Ooh. who just don't get around to actually opting in. Totally. And therefore, there's a bunch of people who, like, you don't end up with that same situation with opt out. Right. You know, the people who really want to opt out will really opt out. Yeah. And then, like you said, Jared, the people who are, like, on the fence who just don't really get around to it, yeah. who might not be fully convinced, but are, like, more yeah. on the fence, which like they're going to end up donating, which exa- is great. Exactly. Which, which in the, the inverse of that, if it was the other way around, like you're going to have, I mean, regardless, you're going to have more people that are okay with donating than not, mm-hmm. but you're definitely going to have more people that are not going to take the time to opt in than do. It's, it's like, vo- it's like, it's a lot like voting. Like there's tons of people who just, they yeah. never go and cast a vote for, yeah. for their, an election because yeah. it's like, it takes time and it's, you know, maybe it's not the most con- convenient thing to be going somewhere in the middle of the day, whatever. It's like, it's got some, it's got some aspect of inconvenience yeah. to it that, that always sort of trumps the, the, like the moral maybe drive that you feel to go and do that. And I think Oregon, if it's opt, if it's opt in, I think you feel that. Like yeah. I was probably not opting into organ donation for quite a few years um, before I ultimately was just yeah. because I didn't check didn't the box or whatever. It. Yeah. You know what? It's funny because like there's a really easy way to think of it. If if you could argue that more than half of the population are for this thing and that thing also serves a net benefit to society at large, it should just be by default opt yeah. out. Yeah. Right? Like why wouldn't it otherwise? Yeah. I'm sure there's some <laughs> stupid bureaucratic reason why some other like I'm sure I'm sure a government official would give you a 
probably pretty dumb reason why yeah. their 100%. province hasn't done but that. But like but like when you really break it down to that to put it that simply, it just makes mm. sense that it should be that way. And then you don't need or or not that you don't need things like Green Shirt Day, but they become less crucial. Which is mm. the which is the idea. Yeah, like, but we, we, in, like, you like, want a green shirt there. I mean, <laughs> look at us. We're, we're no, wearing green shirts. No, all of these, all of these, all, like every cause that's out there, ideally, you don't need a day because everyone's got it. But then you everyone's keep, got but, the message. But then you, yeah. keep you, know? the day, you keep the day to remember the old days, you know? Right. Well, I mean, St. Patty's Day came from somewhere, right? Like that's there right. is like, um, it probably came from a similar green shirt day. You know, there was some sort of cause and something happened. Religion, and now, I think. Now it's yeah. just celebration, yeah. right? Like, Hopefully, Green Shirt Day for the recognizing the Logan Boulay effect can and, become that. Yeah, like you know, a bunch of people just get fucking we wasted yeah. in the in the afternoon. Just I don't going think St. Patty's <laughs> here is what St. Patty's like is. You know no, what I mean? but just that's my that, point. That's like my Christmas point. Christmas is not Christmas. You know what I mean? But that's my point. So we should have a St. Boulay Day 500 years from now. That's Maybe. just like, hey, yeah. organ and tissue yeah. donation was solved. But now we just get now, drunk. Now, yeah. now we just put loonies in, in pancakes. <laughs> no, that's not yeah, a thing. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so yeah, so today is um, Green Shirt Day, and uh, just remember, organ donation is important. And if, if you're you outside, if you're if you if you're, if you're outside Nova Scotia, if you haven't opted in, um, and you think to yourself, well, I I would opt in, then fucking do it. And if you have your driver's license renewal coming up, which is probably where you opt in, most likely, because when when before Nova Scotia was opt out, that's where you did it. Whenever you DMV. got whenever you got your license renewed, they they renew your license and you check the box that you want to opt yeah. in. Yeah. When you get your license renewed, it's I wonder, probably the same in most provinces. I wonder, I would imagine where you would do that before you were like sixteen. I mean, I, I had a, I guess I had like a government your ID. Parents still would do it. Your parents, parents basically would do it make the you. decision. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of decisions, uh, I have made a decision to come forward. And uh, correct myself based on a correction that was sent to me through uh, one of our Discord members who would like to remain anonymous, and I appreciate that. That's that's uh, anonymous pretty, on the show or anonymous in general. Uh, anonymous uh, on on the show here, um, um, and probably yeah. anonymous in general in life. Like I think they're just an anonymous type of person. <laughs> they're like Actually, a hack, they're their, a hacker. Their, their their account was anonymous. Oh, okay. And they had a they had like a the the Jacques. Um, yep. Fa, the, mm-hmm. What's his name? Uh, the V for Vendetta. Yeah, mask. that mask. Yeah. What's his name? Jacques something? I can't remember. Anyway. Guy. Yeah, Guy Lafleur. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so Anonymous hit me up. Guy. And, uh, <laughs> gear guy. Is it gear? Guy Guy Fox. Guy Fox, thank you. Yeah. Right. Uh, guy Fox. Uh, <laughs> guy, no, uh, guy Fox. He was from Quebec. It was Guy Fox. Okay, so anyway, someone reached out. And a couple episodes back, I was saying how if you're in a long-term relationship with a partner, you know, like you've been married for a couple of years you've been with your partner for a couple of years before that and you're having sex uh there's no point in getting sti checks or, or std t- checks um and uh or or you know if you're in a long-term relationship and like you know this is, this is the only person you've been banging it's like what's the point in getting an std check unless you find out that they cheated on you mm-hmm. so i said that and i think you guys were like yeah, yeah like we all agree with that i wasn't i definitely disagree i was like for sure I shut was the lit. fuck up brian you agreed <laughs> I did. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, anonymous hit me up, and they said, uh, "Hey, just a heads up: there is definitely a reason to get tested for sexually transmitted <laughs> infections if you have a steady partner and develop symptoms. So, you know, so if you start having like an itchy pee, itchy sure. itchy pee hole, sure. or like um, green goop coming out of your wee wee, 
Well, I just went to the doctor, and my doctor asked me if I had any other sexual partners. I mean, I guess that's a pretty routine question. Sure, sure. Um, uh, So, but they said there definitely is a reason to get tested for sexually transmitted infections if you have a steady partner and develop symptoms. Some people don't show symptoms for months or even years, but can still transmit certain infections. This can be a potentially concerning risk if the initially uninfected partner is immunocompromised or pregnant. Uh, Some STIs can be tetragenic. Uh, P.S. I have a master's degree in epidemiology. I thought you were going to say sleuthing. <laughs> P.S. I Googled it. You know what? Um, <laughs> uh, Maddie is getting an STI check right now, actually, um, like an hour or two ago, because she doesn't of, trust you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, exactly what it is. Um, she's uh, she's part of she in a part of her sexual health class. You get a bonus point in if your you class get for getting an STI check. Cool. Do you think you should get a bonus point for getting STI check? No. I mean, it's I mean, does not it like thing. is a bonus like does a bon- is it worth a lot? Like, what's a bonus point? I don't know. That's what she <laughs> like, she it, told me like, she was like, going for the bonus. She gets a point. pat on the back, basically. She told me she was going she for the bonus point. point she, gets so, a, she gets a point zero zero one yeah. bump in her grade. Anyway, um, uh, anonymous uh, also said. Uh, By the way, I work in health disparities related to infant mortality. And we're seeing a spike in infant mortalities related to syphilis. Oh, interesting. Um, and they provided me with a article from uh, Who. Who? Who? Um, who publishes new estimates on congenital syphilis? Who was it? Uh, who? who? Uh, global decre- There's a global decrease, but the cases remain high, causing 200,000 stillbirths and newborn deaths every year. 200, from 000. syphilis? Yeah. Jesus Christ. So new estimates published uh, today show that there were more than half a million, around 661,000 total cases of congenital syphilis in 2016, uh, resulting in over 200,000 stillbirths and neonatal deaths. Uh, Syphilis is one of the most common sexually transmitted infections globally, with approximately 6 million new cases each year. If a pregnant woman who is infected does not receive early and effective treatment, she can then transmit the infection to her unborn infant. Whoa. This is known as congenital syphilis, which is often fatal. It can also cause low birth weight, prematurity, and other congenital deformities. Congenital syphilis is the second leading cause of uh, preventable stillbirth globally, preceded by only, uh, only by malaria. Wow. Um, Man, the more you know, right? Right. So <laughs> congenital syphilis is easily preventable and treatable uh, as long as testing and treatment are provided to pregnant women early during um, antenatal care. Anta? A-N-T-E natal. All yeah. one word. Antenatal care. Uh, I don't know that word. What is yeah. that? Antenatal care. Antenatal is before birth. Prenatal. Oh, interesting. Wait, wh- it's, uh, well, what it's, is Prenatal. Uh, it's it's just as different. Same, 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 same. I think Wait. it's I think it's what the British say. Antinatal. Antinatal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, Antinatal. so antenatal. Okay, uh, so you, uh, yeah, yeah, antenatal. It is. But I thought syphilis. See, that's so interesting. I mean, this is just. I mean, I'm totally talking out of my ass. I'm talking out of my ass about what I thought I knew, uh, which was that I thought syphilis, if left untreated, I thought syphilis was something that you know these days, easy to treat. You're thinking of gonorrhea. Get symptoms. Syphilis. No, it's syphilis as well, I believe. 
Dude, syphilis will kill you. No, I know, if untreated. Oh, which yeah, yeah. I think it, it was such a horrific disease because you couldn't treat it at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But then, syphilis yeah. is I, easy to treat? I think, I believe so, but maybe that is my, maybe that's a misunderstanding. No, no, I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, they just said that like congenital syphilis is also easily preventable and treatable. Yeah, right. Um, it, but if your baby gets syphilis, that that's no bueno. So like, that's what, but that's what yeah. I mean. I'm going, well, if it's so easy to treat and, and maybe this, and I guess I would assume then that the that the at least the lion's share of these um in, in, infant mortality infant mortalities are, are due to syphilis are coming from mm. you know maybe like sub-saharan africa or um i don't, I, I don't like areas where they like the the healthcare system is well non- do you guys, maybe how, how about this antibiotics can treat syphilis in the early stages so obviously you want to get treated early and it's, you know, pro- probably won't be a big deal. A five, five, Anonymous is probably going to email me now. <laughs> we probably said something, and now we, i got to correct myself again. Thank you, Anonymous. I'm not saying I don't want it, but, like, <laughs> I just, fuck, I wish we knew something. Um, uh, syphilis doesn't cause long-term health problems if you receive treatment early. Um, but if syphilis is not treated, it can cause serious health problems, including uh, neurologic problems, brain and nerve eye problems, and even blindness. In addition, syphilis is linked to an increased risk of transmission of HIV infection. Syphilis just sounds like a real pain in the dick. You know what I'm realizing? You know know what what I mean? Yeah, I do. Do you guys, you guys know how like, you know what I'm saying? I do know. You guys know how like the bait, like the baby version of, of like the baby version of everything is cute. Um, (laughs) <laughs> how did you have that queued up yeah that was uh, a strange one to have queued up because <laughs> i'm just that good <laughs> um, but you know how the baby version of everything is cute yeah well it's not actually baby baby diseases are are like the yeah. worst you know like yeah. like if you just pick a random object or thing like a, a tree and you're like a baby tree yeah and you think of it you're like oh that's so cute it's like a little sapling yeah but if you think of like like baby cancer uh, not cute. Not cute. Yeah. Uh, anything baby health related is very not cute. Yeah. And I used to I think have baby become, made everything cute. I have recently become quite sensitive. Yeah. To baby health issues. I bet you there is something cute though about like a like like a baby tumor. Yeah. You and like not yeah. a, not a tumor on a baby or in a baby, but if you took a giant fucking fucking tumor and then you put it next to a little baby tumor, it'd be like. Really you're like, right actually i stand corrected like like a baby tooth yeah T- like, take a big fucking honking like yeah. oh god tooth yeah. and then like a little baby tooth. what about a baby cough mm. oh dude baby baby sneezes <laughs> baby, baby sneezes, sneezes are so cute Santa sneezes all the time oh yeah. little baby little. i can see what you mean when you're in a total vacuum comparison of two tumors yeah how one could that's be, what i mean if there's if you if, if one relative to the other could be cuter yeah but when it's in you, the baby, you, it's not. Do, right, no, how not, about this? No, do you not. think a screwdriver can be cute? No, no one thinks that. But when but you see a, baby, a little baby screwdriver, when you see a little baby screwdriver, that's my point. Yeah, so cute. That's my point. A yeah. baby version of anything is cute, except yeah. for the except, way that a baby disease affects a baby. Yeah, that's yeah, not cute because it's cute. more gnarly yeah. than usually yeah. an ad. Like like syphilis in a grown person can fuck them up. Yeah, but syphilis can really fuck up a baby. Well, baby so I think much, it can really so fuck so up everybody because so, I think it can be deadly regardless yeah. of size. And, and it's really fucking up babies because so many it's because uh, a lot of babies are dying from it. So right. it's bad. So anyway, back to this uh, because again we're being corrected here. 
Oh, okay. So right. let's fucking get the correction out because I don't want to fuck this up anymore. It's sounding more and more like this came from Louise. No, it came from Anonymous, <laughs> and I don't want them to break into my fucking bank account and steal my ident- I- I- identification. It's Anonymous, guys. Okay. You don't fuck with Anonymous. They yeah. fuck with the FBI. Right. Yeah. right. The guy Fox. They hack hackers. The, uh, the risk of adverse outcomes to the fetus is minimal if a pregnant woman, um, if a pregnant woman infected with syphilis receives testing and adequate treatment with benzathine penicillin early in pregnancy, ideally before the second trimester. So like quite early. Um, uh, co-authored by who? 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 And who? HRP with partners. And published Regional Police. Yep. And published in the scientific journal PLOS One. Plows. Oh, uh, I'm Klaus. Plows. P-L-O-S-1. Plows 1. The new estimates show that out of the 661,000 total cases of congenital syphilis, there were, unfortunately, 355,000 adverse birth outcomes, which represents a significant por- uh, proportion of new birth death and disease. The eth- estimates showed that the overall global burden of congenital syphilis decreased over the 2012 to 2016 research period although non-significantly from around 750,000 to 660,000 cases. Okay, um, does it say specifically if this is <laughs> happening in a certain region or is this like, is this happening everywhere? They're saying that, uh, I believe this is uh, the world. This is across the world. Well, yes, but I mean like, is it predominantly happening in one geographic oh, region? Um, or? It doesn't say. Okay. Um, they don't say who. They, <laughs> who? who? Um, so anyway, the who is working towards the goal of eliminating mother to child transmission of syphilis. And success has already been made in several parts of the world. In recent years, 12 countries have been validated by WHO as having eliminated mother-to-child transmissions of syphilis and or HIV. 12 countries. Do they say who? Who those are? They don't. They're really, they're really, uh, they're really anonymous. About <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. Uh, thank you, Anonymous, uh, for uh, the correction. And um, we love that stuff. So, you know, you can email us, info at sickboypodcast.com if you ever have a comment or a correction. Uh, or you can become a part of our Discord, and then you can do what Anonymous did, which was personally message me a private message on Discord. All right. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. So thank you for that. Thanks for the correction. Yeah, and, I love uh, learning. Now we know why we should still get an STD check. Yeah. So you got symptoms. Now guys, let, you guys keep pregnant. saying STD. STI. Is, STI. Is it STD. now? As, like, yeah, I mean, just has it been STI for like, yeah, they just like changed. twenty years? Or well, I don't know. Who cares? Or like, or or do people just still say STD? Disease, infection, potato, t- well, tomato, tomato. I'm sure someone. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get corrected, and someone's going to go. Actually, it's that's wrong. Well, I corrected um, but, you. Uh, but ST ST no no uh, is yeah. what we'll say from here on out. Okay. So uh, you get you get tested for your ST no nos. Um, let's move on to something that I thought was quite interesting. And I would like to hear your guys' take on why this is. Wow. <laughs> what a hole. <laughs> what a hole. Do you guys know what that's from? No, I don't. Hold on. Um, <laughs> why, why, why do holes feel larger with your tongue than they do with your fingers? Oh, and we're not talking about uh, downstairs. I don't even holes. know if I about, have the capacity to I, laugh at that. I know, I know what we're talking about immediately we, because I know about? this. We're talking about um, holes in your mouth. Uh, no, not. I mean, not. No, we're not. I mean, we could be yeah. holes we're in general. About, we're yeah. talking about holes in general. We could be talking about buttholes. No, we're not because we're talking about like if you get your. Wisdom, I know. The, I read the fucking article. What I'm are you tell- talking about? <laughs> I'm telling you. So, You're not telling me shit. You, you, know, you know when you when you take your tongue and you like have you guys have you guys had your wisdom teeth out? Yes. I have. 
So do you know when you like have your wisdom teeth out and you can stick your tongue yes. in the socket and like kind of feel it? Yeah. Yes. And Isn't it feels it, like a fucking gaper. Feels gaping. Feels gaped. And when you stick your finger in there, it feels much less gaped. Right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it is gaping. Um, and, and, you're right. Right. and you're right, right. Brian. You were right about that. So why? Why does the hole in your mouth or you know why? I any know other why. kind of hole. I know why. Feel so much larger than with your tongue than with your finger. Because I think your because tongue is a mollusk. It's mollusk esque. <laughs> what? And it shifts it shapes it shifts shapes. And it can shift shapes. Far, like your right. it can shift shapes All and right. your finger cannot. Your finger is is static and yeah. it's stuck in the shape and the rigidity and the width that it is. But your tongue has a lot of mobility. I know why. All right, what do you think? I think because you need to be acutely aware of sensitivities with your tongue, so you have more little receptors that are that are, that trigger a larger part of your brain than with your fingers. Whereas your fingers can be. I can't believe you didn't play that for the shapeshifter. Well, because hey. because uh, Taylor, uh, we have, we have a winner. Ding 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 ding. Uh, as anyone who's ever seen an optical illusion or heard a non-existent sound knows, our senses play tricks on us all the time. Another example of this is the oral size illusion. <laughs> I like that illusion. <laughs> uh, objects, especially holes. <laughs> Can feel much larger or smaller. Why is this so funny? Larger or smaller, depending on whether we are feeling them with our tongue or our finger. And a recent study published in the Journal of Experimental Whole Play. Um, Stop or, it. Sorry, sorry. Psych, uh, Experimental Psychology, Human Perception and Performance. <laughs> uh, laid out the science behind the phenomenon. As Discover reports, small holes felt with the tongue seem larger than felt with a finger. Uh, if your mind's already in the gutter, please get it out now. It only gets worse from here. What holes are we feeling? Like, all holes. All holes. All, I'm just holes. Just, all holes. I'm just, just a question. Though. I mean, it's specifically, just, they're talking about assholes. Just a question, because le- legitimately, what holes are we touching with our tongues other than those holes? I mean, sinkholes, assholes. assholes? Or, sorry, assholes? Are you talking like, about assholes? Other than butt holes, holes and, ear holes, and vaginas, eye what holes? holes is your tongue going in? Dude, uh, like a, an ice cream cone hole? Ice cream cone hole. Yeah, there's lots of holes, uh, dude. There's don- not a do- a donut, that many holes. Do- don- donut holes? I feel like I feel like I feel like uh, manholes. It would be more more common to think about toilet those holes, the sexual holes, than the other holes. I mean, right? that's definitely e- the easiest way to go. What, but, but isn't that the default way? Really? Like what about what about what about, uh, what about harmonica holes? I'm, I've yep, never stuck holes. my tongue in a you, harmonica hole. Really? Well, then you've never played a harmonica. Yeah. You don't stick your tongue in it. No, yeah, no, but you, you, you know, well, yes, you I mean, do. You don't, You're sub, that, that's mm, what the. All mm-hmm. the holes on a harmonica are meant to be plugged with your tongue. That's how you get the difference. That is how you play a harmonica. Is it? Yeah. The, the way yeah. you get different sounds of a harmonica is covering I'm certainly, the holes with your tongue. Oh, well, did I'm, you not know this? I did not know that. Guys, that's, that's actually how you play a harmonica. I think I'm better at the other thing than playing the harmonica. Just, you know, by practice. You mean by like, the amount that I practice. Licking like, dudes' buttholes? Like cunning lingus. <laughs> Yeah. I think I practice that more than I practice playing the harmonica. Yeah, there's only two ways to hurt your neck. <laughs> all right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's just move we on. We can't do this all the time. 
All right, here we go. So um, I hope um, nobody from the Nova Scotia Health Authority is listening <laughs> to this podcast right now. All right. So um, uh, researchers conducted five experiments to test a hole's perceived size under different circumstances. When inclu- uh, including when sensed with the tongue, the index finger, and the big toe. <laughs> okay, this got weird. <laughs> oh, too big. Um, they found out that the more pliable the appendage is, the bigger the space it's exploring seems to be. There you go. Uh, the squishy tongue has an easier time bending around and conforming to different surfaces, painting a more accurate picture of what it's feeling and enhancing the size in our minds. A finger doesn't squeeze into a butthole quite the same way. Mm-hmm. So the sensory information it conveys is less accurate. I can't tell a if you're just adi- also you- <laughs> isn't as pliable as the tongue and leads to the person attached to it to believe they are feeling a lot of resistance from the butthole when it's actually smaller <laughs> than it seems. <laughs> the oral size illusion doesn't apply to all objects. For example, a previous study found that it was much more likely to be triggered by holes than cylindrical pegs. Uh, this could be why when our teeth fall out as kids, the holes they leave behind feel cavernous compared to the teeth that used to be there. This is just another reminder that we shouldn't always blindly trust the signals our bodies send to us wow. while eating out someone's asshole. Guys, this was groundbreaking. I'm super happy we covered it. <laughs> I feel I feel informed. Oh. I feel intellectual. I actually, I actually feel in the dark. Um, I feel because and, uh, I'm really curious what types of holes they were testing in the in the study. They said it, buttholes. Uh, shout out to Stina. Thank you. That <laughs> was a, you that was a, that was a Stina special. Thank you, Stina. <laughs> Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Um, let's move on to another one from our, uh, from our discord babies. Uh, this is from Jen McGee and, uh, this is actually a bit, this is, this is some legit feel good Friday news for the first time in years. Researchers have identified a new susceptibility gene for breast cancer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So researchers have identif- identified a new gene linked to the hereditary breast cancer susceptibility in what they are calling a landmark study. This, this, the discovery of the gene, ATRIP. The gene is called ATRIP. A-T-R-I-P, ATRIP. A trip. Uh, marks the first time in years that, the, that a new susceptibility gene has been pinpointed, bringing scientists one step closer to a full understanding of hereditary breast cancer. Breast cancer accounts for the highest number of cancer-related deaths in women globally with around one in eight women in Canada developing the disease in their lifetime. That's a fucking Whoa. Developing. crazy number. Developing. Yes, not dying from yeah, it, but, yeah. but, but one in eight women will, de- will get breast cancer yeah. in their lifetime. What's that? That's like 12%. That's fucking nuts. Like that, that's right? nuts. And that's just breast cancer. Um, the discovery yeah. of ATRIP could lead to more frequent and targeted screenings to catch breast cancer earlier, as well as opening up more therapies or treatments that focus on genes. The gene is linked to uh, DNA stress replication, 
and appears to be less common than other gene mutations linked to hereditary breast cancer. However, when a person has mutations in ATRIP, they are significantly more likely to develop breast cancer. Uh, The discovery could also explain why scientists frequently encounter patients where breast cancer runs in the family, but none of the family members have have well-known gene mutations connected to breast cancer, such as BRCA1, BRCA1, BRCA2. A-TRIP was identified by examining the genetic sequencing of 510 women with hereditary breast cancer in Poland, with two women out of the 510 having the rare mutation in A-TRIP, from this small starting point, researchers were able to scan through data on 16,000 further Polish patients with breast cancer, finding the gene variation in 42. To confirm the findings, researchers then looked at data in the UK Biobank, a database uh, containing health information on 450,000 individuals. What they found was that the certain mutations in ATRIP were significantly predictive of breast cancer development and that it wasn't merely affecting women of Polish descent. Um, ATRIP is critical to the process of specialized proteins binding to a single stranded DNA where DNA replication has stalled. When this gene is properly activated, it helps elicit a damage response if there is stress in the replication process of the DNA. Essentially, this gene needs to be functioning correctly to signal to the body after DNA damage and for proteins to bind correctly. All cancers are caused by changes in DNA that lead to cells dividing uncontrollably and spreading into other tissues of the body, forming what we know as tumors. Some tumors, cuter than others. Some of them, yeah. Guys, this uh, is man, the this AI is, the, is gonna change the world on this. I was right? I was thinking the exact same yeah. thing. Like this is how I I I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't using AI in understanding that to begin with. Like, I mean, just being able to compute. Perhaps. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, having access to the data is probably the bottleneck in terms of like anything that's AI related. Like if you can feed it the data, then it's gonna it's gonna find something. Um and I guess, like, in terms of healthcare and studies and stuff, that's probably the missing link in a lot of things is, like, being able to <laughs> gather the data or that the, or having the data come from, like, a succinct, you know, concise location, you know, mm. you know being, think- able to, being able to, like, patchwork together a bunch of countries. Like, if you had access to, I mean, if, 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 if again, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of, like, security and issues with this but if like every country could just like open up the valve on their medical data um in some type of utopian privacy way <laughs> where what are you, you some know, sort of fucking commie <laughs> but, it, huh? but but i and, agree with you and for sure i was able to was able to uh, analyze it for sure yeah. for sure the, the, cool. the the data exists yeah um it's just like like <laughs> what are the privacy concerns around yeah releasing that or like or letting that be accessible to to these types of like machine learning or i mean because we already see privacy issues like even even amongst you know like um we were speaking not that not that long ago about um like something that's coming into effect in nova scotia which is the um one person one record uh policy Mm -hmm. which basically means that like people can move around different providers health providers in around the province without having to like go get a stack of paper records and take them to a new person and blah, 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 blah. And the reason that that existed in a lot of ways or in some ways in part was because of privacy and 
but it 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 should so like in a system where which i think we're moving towards this well we are in nova scotia and i think that this will become more common um but this should be in contrast to the opt-out organ and tissue donation this should be an opt-in thing where like like i know personally i wouldn't mind sharing my like if if i could go on 23 and me and click a box that said share my DNA test with um, researchers who want access to my data to hopefully come up with. I actually think I saw an ad. I think I saw an ad recently that was like, if you've done any of these uh, DNA tests, 23andMe and mm -hmm. other companies, it was something similar to that where Mm -hmm. it was like, you could, you could like be a part of this like data analytics survey. I don't want to like, I don't want to poo poo on that. But remember, remember when we, and this is going, this is going like way, like this is going to the nth degree of, I like, would opt of, in for that. of the bad, of the bad side of yeah. opting in. Right. So, so someone who goes, I opted in for, um, for donating my body to medical research or, or you know, grandpa, grandpa's donating his body to medical research. And yeah. then like the next year you're like, you find out like whatever happened to grandpa's body, let's look into it. Oh, Oh, the U.S. military put Grandpa in a Humvee and they blew the Humvee up to see yeah. where Grandpa's body parts would fly. Yeah. Like people taking advantage of the system, it, right? Exactly. Or, and so, but but taking advantage of like that will always exist in some way. Yeah. But do you think like maybe there's a maybe there's like some sort of way that they could take advantage of that information and then like clone you? I mean, I mean, there's lots you of know, like, some, like ways. Really fucky darks. Well, my, my thing, I, it really depends on your risk profile. Like for me, I'm like, I have a very low risk profile. And so like, I would be willing. That's because you have that, uh, that you have that parasite. Yeah. Yeah. The cats, the cats. Right. Piss shit. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Very risky. They probably do. What's that but, called again? Uh, I can't remember. What is it called? I can't Cordyceps. remember. But, uh. Yeah, you have a fungal fungus. But, but the other thing is, is, uh, is, so like I'm part of, uh, a group. Um, called Data Latte, where you can basically upload your data for research purposes, and you still retain ownership of your data, but you can allow people to use it when they request it and be compensated for that financially. And I think that that's a really great model. I, I think like one thing I've been learning about um, AI because you guys you guys brought this up in the conversation is that one of the most valuable. So the large language models are really good reasoning tools. We were talking about this the other day they're not good knowledge tools and so we can make them better and more productive by giving them access to information so the more information that you own and share with these language models the better information they can regurgitate or spit (laughs) back to you and so like for me personally i want to aggregate and compile as much of my data as possible to be able to choose where i want to like help out and like give my data, whether I'm compensated financially or whether I believe in a cause and want to support it, can give my data to that thing to hopefully help achieve a positive outcome, you know, down the road, whether it's like health research or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool, exciting possibility for the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, only the future knows. Will tell us. Well, something Um, like that. I have there. So I want to end this episode. We, we've got a bit of time here, but I, w- I wanted to end the episode talking about something that really kind of fucking blew my mind the other day that I, that I, I never thought it, the thought never crossed my mind. So I was recording an episode of turn me on, uh, with Bridie and, uh, which for folks who don't know is the other podcast that I host, um, with my now ex wife got divorced. Whoop, whoop. 
Um, and uh, we talked to people about like sex and relationships and, you know, um, that, like that, that sort of thing. And, and we were talking to this older gentleman. He was in his late, sorry, mid 70s. It's like this super hippy dippy dude from uh, from like San Francisco, the Bay Area. And he had some interesting things to say. Um, uh, but we were talking, we were talking about like, uh, some mystic stuff that he was like getting into back in his hippie days and in today actually. Um, but in the conversation, he was also saying he used to, he was doing this work with his wife for years and they were all about like extending orgasms and like tantra and that kind of stuff. And they would lead these workshops and they, he's written all like the two of them have co-authored books together and they would, you know, they're, they like sort of dedicated their life to like really sweet orgasms. And a noble uh, pursuit. <laughs> yeah. And it was him and his wife for years. And, um, and in the conversation, it, it was kind of like just sort of in passing, he mentioned how um, now, now it's just him doing it because his wife has um, Alzheimer's um, and she's pretty far progressed. And all of a sudden I had this thought where I was like, oh, interesting. What? What about? Yeah, I know where you're going do, with this. <laughs> your your whole life's work was about sexuality and like exploring pleasure and exploring sex with your partner, with your wife. And a big part of that was like being very sexual and and like and and exploring pleasure together. And I was like, how does that can you still do that now that your wife has dementia? And he was like, Yeah, well, you know, and so we so we went into the conversation about that and 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 it was the first time where I thought, whoa, I never thought about intimacy with a partner when Alzheimer's is in the picture. Because when we think about sex, you know, a big part, a big part of the conversation surrounding sex with a partner is consent. is consent. And so it made me think, like, can, if you have dementia, can you give consent to have sex? Or can you get consent from someone for, that has dementia to have, like, it to, 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 to create intimacy with that person, sexual intimacy? And I did some digging and I found this really interesting article that like really goes into it. And, and there is no, like there, it's not, it's not very black and white. It's a very cloudy area. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured I'd just kind of like go through this and we could talk about it. So can people with dementia give consent to having sex when it comes to dementia, there are several ethical dilemmas that may develop as a result of changing cognition. One of those is a question that may make adult family members uncomfortable because it addresses sexual activity and intimacy, but it's a topic that often becomes necessary to address. The question is this, can people with dementia still consent to sexual activity? And if so, when do they become unable to do so? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the, the challenge of determining consent, can someone with dementia understand the decision they're making and the potential consequences? And clearly the answer isn't an easy yes or a no. So the goal in asking or attempting uh, and attempting to answer the question of ability to consent is, is twofold. Number one, um, to prevent the sexual abuse of a vulnerable person who may be unable to fight or report it. But then two, to protect the rights of a vulnerable person to engage in mutual consensual sexual activity that is desired and promotes quality of life. So to the first point, uh, due to the memory problems and communication difficulties that can develop in dementia, it is imperative to guard against the potential victimization of someone who is involved in sexual activity against their will. Older adults, and especially those who have cognitive problems, are an easy target for abuse of all kinds. Legally, a person must have the mental capacity to consent to a sexual act. 
The question of how to determine if that capacity exists is still a difficult one to answer. Yeah, totally. Is there a certain stage of dementia where it becomes illegal and immoral? So then to the second point, the second important question, which, you know, is the question of like protecting the rights of someone who, who has the ability and, 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 and like can engage in uh, mutual and consensual sexual activity. seems like it would be a kind of like everything in the inverse. Yeah. So dementia has come a long way in acknowledging that it, that simply because Alzheimer's disease or a different type of dementia is present, the desire for intimacy is not automatically removed from that person. Nor Sometimes aren't they like hyper sometimes yeah exactly yes too. and that actually plays into this oh, interesting um, nor does a person automatically or immediately lose the capacity to consent to sexual activity upon a diagnosis of dementia instead researchers uh, research has identified the many benefits of touch for people with dementia and dementia professionals have emphasized the importance of person centered care in dementia some nursing homes and assisted living facilities have written policies on recognizing the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and sexual needs of those in their care. So, you know, when, when we're deciding like what, what are the, what are the things to consider when you're looking for consent in having sex with another partner? I mean, for us, it's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, is it a, is it a 100% clear? Yes. Enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Yes. yes. Like there, there's your consent. There's a lot more, there's a lot more to the questions like the, to be considered with consent when it comes to someone with dementia. So recognition. So does each person consistently recognize each other? Do they know the name or room location of each other? Mm-hmm. Um, does one person mistakenly think the partner is her spouse when he is not? Interest is another one. Do they both seek each other out consistently? Is there an interest in simple companionship and friendship or an interest in sexual intimacy? Another one is verbal and nonverbal communication of emotion. So what do their verbal and nonverbal communications say? When asked, does each person express a desire to spend time with each other? When you observe them interact, are both engaged with each other and appear happy? Can they answer questions about their relationship and indicate a desire for physical intimacy? The ability to say no is a big one. Does either person display a sign of distress, such as emotional withdrawal, fear, tearfulness, decrease in appetite, or physical recoiling from touch? Are both people able to say no verbally or non-verbally to unwanted sexual contact? Can each person indicate how far they wish to proceed with sexual interaction? For example, is one person consent, uh, content with kissing and touching and the other person attempting to progress to m- more intimate activities? And then you have uh, vulnerability and qu- effect of quality of life. So vulnerability to, to what extent are those involved susceptible to exploitation? Does each person have the ability to report unwanted physical contact to someone? Is the person generally well supported by family or mm. are they quite isolated? I feel like it's, it's really, to me, like I, I'm thinking back in my experience with watching um, the progress, uh, uh, progressiveness of Alzheimer's in, in Julia's dad. And um, the thing that s- strikes me about this, because this makes a lot of sense, but in my anecdotal experience, when you get a diagnosis, there's already a lot of things there that are like, you don't, you no longer have cognitive capacity to be able to like, do like provide or consent not, or at least not all the time. 
Right. And so it's, that's the interesting thing about, and I'm not saying that like once you get a diagnosis, that means no, but like the thing about Alzheimer's from my anecdotal experience is that a lot of those things in terms of your capacity to give consent are gone once you have that formal diagnosis. Um, yeah. And I, and I think, I think that your ability to give consent goes fairly early in the process of getting mm. a diagnosis of well, Alzheimer's. The, the, I feel like the final, um, like the final thing there, the quality of life part is does the relationship appear to improve the quality of life for both people? Right. And is it an established relationship of mutual commitment or a newer friendship? Like those are things to consider. Mm. Um, I, f- I feel like, uh, I feel like this is a like a super tricky <clears throat> thing to navigate. If the person yeah. isn't like in a relate, like isn't in a relationship, like it's not a, it's not a partnership that has, where one person has like evolved into. Right. I think I mean, with this, I think the way this was written is kind of like you're, you know, you're in a relationship partnership. No, you're, no, no. I think a lot of what's written here is written in the way of, of basically kind of assuming you're in a, you're in a care facility and mm. two people, mm-hmm. two people have dementia and they're right. like, right. they're, oh, they're right. like, they're yeah. just Jesus. sort of coming yeah. together yeah. and, and, and like maybe showing signs of like, Hey, they, they, they really like each other's company, yada, yada, whatever. I mean, that's, that's fucking super I mean, God, interesting to right. think about. I mean, very, very like, it's but, almost like it's, but then like, I think about like my grandfather, and my grandmother, right? right? Like when my grandmother, I mean, they both had dementia. My grandmother was way more, um, progressed than my grandfather, but they also like, they, they did have the sense that like when I was on the phone with them and stuff, you like Nan knew pop and pop knew Nan. But they probably had but moments they, where they did. They had, yeah, they had these moments where, yeah, where there was that, and and so it's like I feel like it's not that dissimilar to. I don't mean to trivialize it, but like not that dissimilar to like se- possible sexual encounters when you're drinking, and right. like one person is like, "Hey, I'm like I've been drinking," but then another person's like, "I've really been drinking." Yeah, and mm-hmm. you go, and you just have like a moral compass, hopefully, that's telling you. This like right. I shouldn't be having but, sex and now with this in, person in those situ- like, in those or, situations or having any yeah, type of yeah. like, sexual and in that situation too. you know pretty much all ninety nine point nine percent of the time like you can't really like it's consent t- consent yeah. is very hard to to totally. to equally receive and give yeah. in yeah. that in that that's, moment that's not a trivial way to put it I mean um, that's I just mean really, not to like I, equate yeah. dementia with being drunk I, I just mean I feel like situationally it's very similar very to similar. this yeah. yeah what this is laying it i mean like if you don't recognize the person can't say their name and but if you it, don't like but then- okay but how about this if you, if you don't like how about this if you don't recognize the person right let's 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 put it this way let's let's pretend that kira and i um let's pretend that kira got dementia okay and she's pretty far along progressed um and although Although like, and she's, and, and I'm taking care of her and she's not showing any signs of like, even though she doesn't quite recognize me, she's not showing any signs of, of like fear or avoidance of like, Oh, stranger danger. Like I don't want to, like she's very comfortable in, in being around me and allowing me to care for her and yada, yada. And she doesn't know my name. She doesn't remember my name. She doesn't remember that we have like a, a longstanding relationship and she, you know, but all of a sudden she starts to like come on to me in a, in a moment where, when we're, you know, whatever, like, mm-hmm. like watching a movie or something or what, I don't know. I don't know. Would, would you watch a movie with someone with dementia? Probably, probably, probably a waste of 
Uh, waste you know. of a movie. But anyway, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're like, a lot of people with dementia sure, watch movies. Sure, sure, sure. So, so we're, we're spending <laughs> time. Watch it again. We're, we're, <laughs> so we're like spending kids. time together and she starts to come on to me and, and, and she, but she doesn't know my name. Now we have all this history together mm-hmm. and she seems comfortable and she's, she's want, she's, she's like looking for sexual advances. Obviously, if I was in that position, my mind would, I would have a fucking meltdown where I go, totally. I don't know what to do. But also, I feel like if if they're if if they were look like, and this was outside of a, like a oh she's always just fucking like hypersexualized like it's, yeah. that's not a part of it. I feel like it would be. I feel like in that moment it would be okay. If it's I, like if you can if she can if she can verbally yeah. say that that I, she I can sense down, this and those types of things. It's like yeah, I guess. I think it comes down sense. to being able to. I think it comes down in that in that situation to be able to like really honestly and authentically like navigate the way that you feel about what yeah like the situation yeah. that you're in i you also know, you, you as like a like a like an mm-hmm. honest kind-hearted person yeah um being able to go hey like it where are yeah. we right now yeah. you know and not and, and that and, was and, the thing that i got from the guy that we had the conversation with like on the podcast mm-hmm. and and he he said this really sweet thing where he was like you know it is it, it, it's a hard thing to na- navigate and um, uh, but you know, there, it's not, he, he's, he's very like, like glass half full kind of guy where he was like, you know, one of the, one of the really nice parts about it is I find myself having, and it's really exciting for me. I find myself having to like re-seduce my partner. Like, mm-hmm. like I find myself in a position where I'm, I'm like showing my partner that like, it's like on the first date again, all over. And like I, over and over and over again, we were just like 51st showing this. Per- yeah, exactly. Yes, dude. Yes. Like exactly like that. But, and I was like, oh, that's really sweet. I think like, the thing, really sweet thing, I think the thing that like, that is also important is in that situation that you described, Jerry, like you're talking about what that experience is like in the moment. But really, I think what is really important and what this um, is kind of speaking <laughs> to is that like, really you have to understand the person and like their experience over, you yeah. know, a number of days and weeks and months mm-hmm. to, to be able to understand their behavior in a way that it would align with them being consensual yeah. to sex in that moment. Like if, if, if outside of that moment, you know, in your situation that you're describing cures, like, like thinks that you're like, is calling you like uh, confusing you with like a family member or something. Yeah, and then right. all of a sudden in this moment, she seems into it, then it's like, oh, well, That's is that weird. okay? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's very. Or, or there's right? paranoia and thinking that, like, you know, I'm like, I'm poisoning her, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, like those types of things that yeah. they just like. There's the paranoia of like, oh, they're at the game. It's it's probably one of like the trickiest moral and ethical yeah. situations that you could possibly. Isn't it crazy manage. that we never thought about this though? Out of all yeah. the times you talk about like dementia I, and stuff, like I've never, th- it never crossed my mind once. Yeah. I think I would find if I knew, like if I knew that Maddie had dementia or Alzheimer's and, and I was trying to navigate this, I think it would be really hard for me to be sexually like um, interested in the moment because yeah. that, that would just be in the back of my you head could, so you much. Could, you yeah. could, you that could like, very much, you can see how, you can see how easy it would be to feel yeah. like morally guilty yeah, like, oh, this isn't okay. I, well, should, right. I, I what, shouldn't do this. Or, well, what if she walked in with a Bose speaker like, Hey, be game over <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I mean, I mean, can like that's the that changes everything plan. <laughs> well, here, here's here's another little piece to add to this that is fucking kind of wild to think about. 
Should sexual advance directives be utilized? Oh, interesting. I don't, I, so in, in the Alabama Law Review, Alexander A. Boney Sains discusses the idea of allowing people to draw up a document that outlines their choices for sexual activity in the event that they become mentally incapacitated. For example, someone could so state that they want to continue to engage in sexual activity with their spouse upon their mental incapacity. The central thought of those who support this idea involves preserving the right to engage in mutually beneficial sexual activities, usually within a committed relationship and preventing the possibility of criminal prosecution due to mental incapacity. I think it would be really helpful to have a document like that, but also I don't think it would, I mean, the situation changes it's once not, that happens. Well, and those, those against the idea point out that while some, someone may want his right preserved while his mental ability is intact. He may react differently when his cognition has declined. Alzheimer's disease and other dementias may change personalities, increase anxiety or agitation. Mm -hmm. Legally, the question may be referred to as the pres uh, the preferences or and choices of the person's self versus the future self. I actually take take back what I was saying, and I also think like it's kind of the same idea as like you go out um, on the uh, on like a first or second date with a uh, your your potential partner one week, and they say yes to having sex it doesn't mean the next week they're agreeing to mm -hmm. consent to having sex too. So it, I know it's mm -hmm. different, like being in that relationship, I mean, I, but I've, like if somebody changes their mind, it's, it's, it's not dissimilar to made in, in terms right. of like, yeah, in terms of the original, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know if that changed, uh, but the original, uh, form that made took in Canada, which was that you cannot make that choice you have to be after you yeah. are, you know, after maybe you are not of sound, you know, quote unquote sound mind, whichever, whatever, whatever sort of like definition that falls under. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of similar to that. I mean, yeah. Like it's, how can you make the choice? How can you, I mean, cause I can see how it's very easy to think that you can make that choice, but it's like, if I, if I always stuck to the choices and the th and the things I thought that I wanted in a younger version of myself, then I wouldn't have a kid now. Yeah, because yep. I just yeah. always thought I would I'll never, never have, have a kid, kid. and yeah. that changed. Yeah. Um. So like, the know. the reason why I feel like I would want to do this, if anything, is because so so you know I agree with you guys that there's the, there's the part where like maybe your mind changes or whatever, but also there's the there's the the prevention of possible possible criminal prosecution. Yeah. Right? So like for, from like a law standpoint, it's like this protects your partner yeah. from engaging in sexual activity with you, which might be like a completely um, innocent and like loving and, and good thing. Yet somehow it gets, mm -hmm. it gets seen as um, yeah. an, an illegal, like, you sexual know, act of, of sexual I don't, assault. I don't know though. Like I can't imagine a situation there could be seen as that unless there was something that like, like one oh, dude, of the dude that shit happened that shit think happens about, all the time think about think about then what, like, like some what? people people get wrongly accused of stuff all of the time no i know but like so in this situation i can't see a situation where that would happen where you would be wrongfully think accused think about two of, people two people they, and they when one person has vulnerable? dementia one person has dementia and they're in, they're a couple one person has dementia they seemingly engage in like a totally mutually consenting sex and then Let's say that this person with dementia has like a care worker that comes in and does whatever for them during the day. 
And then that person, that person says something when they are maybe not of sound mind Mm -hmm. or whatever to the care worker about Mm. their sexual encounter. And maybe it's completely misrepresentative of, Mm -hmm. of what actually happened. I mean, like just in this, in this anecdotal, and then the care worker is going to go, yeah. Oh shit. I mean, there's like, like, there might be sexual abuse happening in this house. A good example is like when we talked to Mike Weber about uh, the case of, I mean, and this is completely separate. It's it's a different thing, but it also, it it also just goes to show like, I never really thought about it that way. Right. Where a mother is in, uh, and this episode I don't think has come out yet, but basically we were talking about the Munchausen by proxy again. Mm. Was it just you and I on that conversation? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. And so, so he was talking about a case where um, a mother was uh, in the hospital with her daughter. Her daughter was sick. And the daughter, um, the mother went to the nurses and was like, hey, there's, um, there's a bunch of blood in the toilet. Like my daughter was like throwing up blood. And th- because the daughter said, mom, I threw up a bunch of blood. And so the mother's like, okay. So she goes and she tells her there's blood all over the toilet. She, she, she threw up blood. So the nurses are like, holy fuck. They come in and they check. And, uh, this girl that was in the hospital, I think she had a, she had, she had like a, a central line and like a feeding tube. They didn't know what was wrong with her. They're trying to figure it out. And they get, the nurse goes in and the nurse looks in the toilet. But the thing that the nurse notices is that there's no splash anywhere. It's just red water. It's just blood water. And the nurse went, that's fucking weird. Because if you're throwing up, it goes everywhere. it's going to go everywhere. It's going to be, it's going to make some sort of splash. So they get suspicious. That's very sleuthy. And they bring in. They end up bringing the detectives and the detectives basically separate the mother and the daughter. And everybody at this point is thinking, this is the fucking mom. The mom is like coursing this daughter mm-hmm. to say, you know, this or that. And um, it turns out that uh, once the detectives got involved, they they end up going through uh, the daughter, daughter and the mother's phones to find text messages and yada, yada, whatever. They end up finding out in the end that actually it was the daughter all along and the daughter came out and, and like, you know, apologized to the mother and, and the mother agreed to have the daughter like taken away from her to get psych, like evaluated psychologically. And they, they were like, okay, the daughter has Munchausen and the mother actually was like livid when she found this mm. out. But if it wasn't for the detectives coming in to do their work, the, the med team, everybody involved, would have been looking at the mother as like, yeah, you're doing this, right? <clears throat> These types of things happen where like you could be, you, you could just be going along your day doing the thing that you think is just normal. And all of a sudden something happens, something said, something changes and you get fucking like totally, totally. something that you have but, nothing to do with. But gun to my head, if I had to choose which rule is better, which way is, is better, I would say not having the contract because the contract could also be used by somebody who's abusing the contract and just saying, no, they agreed to this, even though clearly in this moment there's, there's not consent now and the person feels yeah. differently. So like, I mean, like, it's hard to say like cost benefit gun to my analysis. head, yeah. protecting a vulnerable person without having a, a contract that like locks them into something down the road. I yeah. would probably say yeah. it would be better to not have it. However, I can see how in different situations there would be, you know, yeah different benefits. I it's guess. very, it's a very, it is, tricky it is. And, and matter. one of the things too, to like keep in mind here and you know, we've, we've talked to occupational therapists about this, but like, um, you know, sex, sex is a, is like one of the key 
daily activities for like a quality of life. Oh like sex is such an important yeah. piece of quality of life for many people. Um, and when you have a disease that all of a sudden potentially rips that away from you and or your partner only because of how muddy the waters are surrounding like consent and, and mental cognition. It's really, really tough. I I mean, the quality of life part is the part that like, I just keep coming back to, which is like, I I can't imagine that's, that's gotta be so fucking hard. Something similar, something completely different, but in in a similar line of thinking that I would love to talk about is something that I saw in a video uh, from Big Think. Do you guys watch Big Think? Yeah. Um, so they, I can't remember the guy's name now. I think his name is Kevin Reeves. I could be completely making that up. Anyway. Um, the, Keanu. Keanu Reeves. He did a couple of videos with, uh, on Big Think recently. One of them was the, one of them was like the, like men's diminishing role in society and like the, the, the sort of like the, the implications of that. And then there was another one with the same guy about, um, the, uh, friendship diminishing in society like the like real friends uh and like the implications that uh people having less friends or no friends and you know a bunch of different reasons why that is and like you know differences between you know what it means for you know men to have less friends what it means for women to have less friends whatever like across kind of the spectrum um and it was really really fascinating just Mm -hmm. about like how important friendship is Mm -hmm. uh in terms of living a healthy life. Yeah. It's really interesting. Dude, well, that's what I was talking about in therapy today. I was yeah. like, like the, to me, cause like, uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but like I, I lost my job recently and I'm going through this, um, sort of like transition point where we're now like, I'm lost now job. going all in on, on podcasting stuff in a, in a way that I haven't dedicated my time to before. And in this time of transition, when, I think about like job transition. A lot of it has to do with like a lot of my thought process initially has to do with financial return Mm -hmm. of like investing in a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And like the more I, I focus on the money aspect of things or think more about the money aspects of things, the more I realize that that's not the key to happiness. And like, it sounds cliche to think about it. It sounds you know, like we say this sort of like, obviously like money isn't the key to happiness or whatever, but like when you really think about like the pursuit of money in, you know, in, in the way that we work, it is a really important factor. It's probably the most important factor for a lot of people in determining like what job they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in really thinking about this, I've been thinking less about the importance of money and more about the importance of like you know, getting to work in the office with you guys totally. every yeah. day. And but like doing how, the thing. Yeah. Like, dude, my whoop strap, it, there's a new stress metric. And in the last two weeks of being here all day with you guys, my stress is down from two hours of elevated stress a day to an average of 18 minutes yeah. of elevated stress. You get a school. But that's crazy though, right? Reach under your chair. There's a school for you. This is an Oprah. This is a clip from Oprah. Um, <laughs> but imagine how uh, that's happy, crazy. Imagine though, right? how happy you'd totally. be if you won six hundred million dollars today, though. I mean, like, oh, I would, I would, I would, I would never be in the office again. I'd I be mean, like, money. You know, see you guys. money has a lot. Money has a lot of upside. <laughs> Good to, to know. it. <laughs> a lot of money has a lot of upside to it, and for sure and, it does. And there's yeah. and and the whole like you can only make this much money, and anything above that is uh, no more happiness. That's fucking bullshit. But um, <laughs> yeah, I want seventeen trillion dollars so I can fucking. 
buy all it, the things that and I it's, like. And it's and it's like psychologically proven that it's fucking bullshit. I, I want to say though, it's not about it's not about money itself. It's about the pursuit of that as the, as the goal. thing that's important. Yes, right? let's become billionaires so everyone hates us. Yeah. But that is true because, like, I was actually thinking That's about a them problem. I was thinking about. I, I was thinking about. Uh, I was thinking about a person no, in my sorry, life. I actually didn't mean. To. I was thinking about a person in my life that has far more money than I do, and your dad. And no, not my dad. <laughs> and has a lot of like really nice things, and you know has a has a decent amount of free time. Like, ha, ha, as le- at least outwardly that I can perceive, but like. Does he get women to shit through hammocks into his mouth? No, it's not uh, Mike McAfee or whatever oh. that guy's name is. <laughs> okay. um, I was just checking. But, uh, but then I thought, man, I know that I make far less money. And if I actually had to like think about our contentment levels and our ability to like move fluidly throughout life and like make decisions and like change something on a whim, it's like because of the way that I pursue money, which is like in a self-employed manner which basically means that like if i want there's like a lot of freedom within that like that freedom is like way more valuable than a certain amount of money yeah Mm -hmm. like a pay cut in relation to somebody who makes a lot of money or making way less quite a bit less than somebody who makes a lot of money can oftentimes be if you especially if you enjoy what you're doing and you enjoy what you're doing who you're doing it with like that is that's worth that's worth 50 grand like it is because the amount of stress that you will not take on or a thousand other things, you will get back in, in freedom, contentment, uh, low stress, free, whatever. I do, I do think about the challenge for some people like my mom though, for example, who like works three low paying minimum wage jobs, who is just kind of like stuck in, in doing that too mm-hmm. and and how hard it is for people like that to get out and like to get out of that hole and also you know to think about things like this of like the what they value in terms yeah. of employment when it's like what they really value or, or or maybe just more importantly need is like the paycheck i think there's a lot of similarities between people that are in that scenario and people that are on the opposite end of that and and they are on a hamster. They make a lot of money, but they are mm. on a hamster wheel of they have to do a million things to keep that high paycheck coming in mm. and the room for them to be able to do things. Like, I think that there's a lot, I think there's a lot of similarities between either end of the spectrum. Yeah. And so, and then there's a middle, there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground somewhere. I don't know how wide or big that middle ground is. I don't know where it starts and where it ends, yeah. but there's something to it. And I think there's a lot of variables, obviously. Yeah. But what we need so, is we need communism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the, the point to all this is just like, let the people with dementia fuck. Dude, guys, I got a piece so bad. <laughs> How do we get onto the money thing? I don't know. We started That's talking about. Uh, and what's important in terms of. Oh, I, I brought someone over a friendship and that started to come. Yeah. What I was saying is I love you guys and I'm happy to be doing this. I love you. you too. And yeah. Yeah. And if you get dementia, You'll fuck me. I'll still fuck you, dude. <laughs> we might need to put together put a contract. Right <laughs> uh, that's it, folks. Hope you enjoyed. Um, thanks for tuning in. We love you all. We love our patrons more, and uh, we love the people on our Discord just as much. So if you want to join the Discord, just hit the link in the bio. If you want to support the podcast, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We got 
over 2,200 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Keep it rolling, everybody. That's cool. Let's get more. more. Um, on more. Spotify, leave a rating. If you have the mobile app, just Spotify on your phone. You just go there. Boop, boop, boop. Because Spotify, boop, 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 boop. big podcast player these days. That's right. Mm. So uh, leave that. It actually helps. It helps. So thank you. And uh, we love that. Also, honestly, like, guys, I, I, I did really lose my job. My my other job. And, a job. Like, this is now the job. The job job and so any way that if you guys like this and you want to help out that would be really helpful thanks did so you mean like, like send you money no like ra- rate the podcast oh okay do stuff like that don't, like yeah, send us like don't send brian a direct engage transfer. just engage yeah just engage engagement and share uh, engagement share and um sell us your data um hop on over to the website you want to be a guest on the show you want to keep this bad boy rolling sickboypodcast.com there's a nice button there you can click it it'll give you a form you can fill it out Mm-hmm. And a uh, big shout out again to uh, uh, the Logan Boulay effect. Uh, green shirt day. Green shirt day. And a uh, huge shout out to Jeff Lonis, uh, our manager, and Rich O'Coin for the theme music. We love you both. That is it for this week. I am Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.